Psalm 22 is where we're going to do work this morning. Psalm chapter 22. We're going to look at the entire psalm, all 31 verses. Still hear some pages turning. Psalm chapter 22. Hear now the words of our God. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me from the words of my groaning? Oh my God, I cry by day, but you do not answer. And by night, but I find no rest. Yet you are holy, enthroned on the praises of Israel. In you our fathers trusted. They trusted and you delivered them. To you they cry and were rescued. In you they trusted and were not put to shame. But I am a worm and not a man, scorned by mankind and despised by the people. All who see me mock me. They make mouths at me. They wag their heads. He trusts in the Lord. Let him deliver him. Let him rescue him, for he delights in him. Yet you are he who took me from the womb. You made me trust you at my mother's breast. On you uh, was I cast from birth. And from my mother's womb, you have been my God. Be not far from me, for trouble is near and there is none to help. Many bulls encompass me. Strong bulls of Bashan surround me. They open wide their mouths at me like a ravening and roaring lion. I am poured out like water and all my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax. It is melted within my breast. My strength is dried up like a potsherd. My tongue sticks to my jaws. You lay me in the dust of death. For dogs encompass me. A company of evildoers encircles me. They have pierced my hands and feet. I can count all my bones. They stare and gloat over me. They divide my garments among them. And for my clothing they cast lots. But you, O Lord, do not be far off. O you, my help, come quickly to my aid. Deliver my soul from the sword, my precious life from the power of the dog. Save me from the mouth of the lion. You have rescued me from the horns of the wild oxen. I will tell of your name to my brothers. In the midst of the congregation, I will praise you. You who fear the Lord, praise Him. All you offspring of Jacob, glorify Him and stand in awe of Him, all of you offspring of Israel. For He has not despised or abhorred the affliction of the afflicted, as He has not hidden His face from Him, but has heard when He cried to Him. From you comes my praise in the great congregation. My vows I will perform before those who fear Him. The afflicted shall eat and be satisfied. Those who seek Him shall praise the Lord. May your hearts live forever. All the ends of the earth shall remember and turn to the Lord. And all the families of the nations shall worship before you. For kingship belongs to the Lord and the rules over the nation. All the prosperous of the earth eat and worship before him shall bow all who go down to the dust. Even the one who could not eat, who could not keep himself alive. Posterity shall serve him. It shall be told of the Lord to the coming generation. They shall come and proclaim His righteousness to a people yet unborn that He has done it. 
the very words of God. Amen? Amen. When you walked in this morning, you probably, it probably didn't cross your mind that you were probably driving past world history. The place where Dr. King was assassinated, April 4th, 1968, is just a stone's throw away from where you and I sit right now. And you probably didn't think about that as you made your way into the front doors here. Dr. King marched and came to Memphis for the the sanitation worker strike in 1968. An I Am A Man poster on his left and an I Am A Man poster on his right. You've probably seen the images of Ernest Withers, the the photography of Ernest Withers. Um, It's so interesting to me to think about the stories that happened just in the road right down the street. But one of the things I think about it is, I don't know that Dr. King actually was just trying to make history. I don't know that Dr. King realized what would come of the story of his life. I don't know that Dr. King knew that we would still be talking about those stories to this day. I'm not sure when Dr. King gave his famous, I have a dream speech, When he said those words, it's my hope that one day my three little children will not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. I'm not sure he understood that those words would reverberate to the end of time. I'm not sure he had it in his mind that those very words would make history. I'm not sure that the great prophet, notorious B.I.G., understood that his words, mo money, mo problems, would be remembered for years to come. I'm just not sure that he understood that people would still remember those lyrics. I'm not sure that when Forrest Gump taught us the proverb, when he said, life is like a box of chocolates... You you never know what you're going to get inside. I'm not sure he knew that we would remember those words. And the intention there is to express the very real struggle of life. That you don't know exactly what life will bring. And when we come to our text this morning, morning, what we see is David putting a raw struggle on display. Yet I'm not sure that what David is pointing us to, I'm not sure he really had a strong grasp of. The story that we're going to see, the description that we're going to see, I'm not sure that David understood the, the words that he was writing in this poem and in this song. I want us to see three major ideas this morning. We'll see that Christ is all in suffering. We'll see that Christ is all in our rejoicing. And we'll see that Christ is all in His provision of grace. I've labeled this message, Christ is all. But before we go to work, let's pray this morning. Father, thank You for all that You've done this far. and Lord, I just thank You for every child that was here this morning who led us in worship. Father, thank You that You've stamped them with Your image, says Genesis 1.27. Thank you, Father, that 
they have the image of the triune God. And I pray, Father, this morning that, that you would challenge us to, in a Deuteronomy 6 kind of way, lead them in the way that they should go. Teach them your principles. Um, Father, thank you for corporate worship. There are some people in the world who don't have the freedoms that we have, and I pray that we wouldn't take this time for granted. And Lord, I ask that you would just speak to us. I pray that you would move me out of the way. Would you have your way in this place this morning? Would you give us your words and not mine? Lord, I pray that you would do what only you can do, which is draw men and women to yourself. Have your way in Jesus' name. Amen. I think it's healthy for every believer to take a healthy dose of the Psalms on a regular basis. Uh, Not all, but mostly written by a guy named David. Um, It's incredible for me that in the same way, uh, much plays a a large role in our day. They play a huge role in antiquity, these Psalms do. I love the Psalms because they do a great job of revealing to us the character of God. Anytime you read scripture or even if you read the Psalms, you ought to look for what does this say, how does this speak to God's character. We're going to see that later on today. But you ought to ask yourself the question, what does this teach me about who God is and what God says? One of the primary things we see is that Christ is all in suffering. David makes this extremely clear from the very beginning. Look at verse 1 with me. David says this, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He says, Why are you so far from saving me? Verse 2, Oh my God, I cry by day, but you do not answer, and by night, but I find no rest. Look down to verse 6 with me. I'm a worm and not a man. I'm scorned by mankind and despised by people. All who seek me mock me. Look down at verse 12. Bulls encompass me. Strong bulls of Bashan surround me. Then in verse 14, he says, I am poured out like water and all of my bones are out of my joint. My heart melts like wax. Then in verse 15, he says, my strength is dried up. Verse 16, dogs encompass me. A company of evildoers encircles me. They have pierced my hands and feet. Then he says in verse 17, they stand and gloat over me. They divide my garments among them. And for my clothing, they cast lots. Do you see that David is suffering? He is writing to us about his hardship And his suffering. He is a man after God's own heart. And yet he still suffers. David is a man who is deeply connected to God. But what we see in this psalm. Is that he goes through just like anybody else. He suffers. He experiences hardship. See though David is suffering. He still finds the ability to rest and to have faith in and to depend on God. You know what he says in verse 1? Some of the first words out of his mouth, my God, my God. See, David, even though he is going through, he is experiencing hardships, and we don't know exactly what they are, but even though he is suffering and experiencing hardship, he still says, you are my God. 
And it shows us that David has this deep dependence upon God. He is a man of faith. You still hear faith in David, even though he's going through. What David's story shows us is that even followers of Jesus, we are not exempt from suffering. We are not exempt from hardships. What makes this so beautiful is that David writes this song, he writes this poem, and it is deeply prophetic of the death of Christ. With the exception of Isaiah 53, I think there is no better place to describe in the Old Testament the crucifixion of Jesus. Jesus is dying this gruesome death of crucifixion. And in Matthew 27:46, it says this, And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice, saying, Eli, Eli, lema sabachthani, that is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? When it's all said and done, when all of the guards that helped crucify Jesus, when, when one of them said of him, truly, this was the Son of God. So one of the things we can take from this is, I don't know that David knows this, but he is speaking very prophetically. Hundreds of years before Jesus would even be crucified, David is saying, my God, my God. He's struggling. He is suffering. But yet he still is a man of faith. His faith is persevering. I love what John 19 says in verse 23 through 24. It helps us with this. It says, John says, When the soldiers had crucified Jesus, they took his garments and divided them into four parts. One part for each soldier, also his tunic. But the tunic was seamless, woven in one piece from top to bottom. So they said to one another, Let us not tear it, but cast lots for it, to see whose shall it be. See, this was to fulfill the scripture that says, listen to this, They divided my garments among them. And for my clothing, they cast lots. That's Psalm 22, 18. Right here, David is literally pointing to what's to come. And I don't even know that he knows it. David revealed to us that suffering that he is going through, that he is suffering. But he also revealed to us that there is a greater David and his name is Jesus and he also suffered. There's one who is greater than him to come. Um, I have a friend who, um, man, it saddens me to even think about her story. Um, But she, uh, at a young age, was molested. And um, the guy was caught and sent away to prison. Um, her Her grandmother soon after that passed away. And she had to deal with the death of her grandmother and... Soon after that, her mom um, was diagnosed with cancer. And she watched her mother wither away and die. Um, As she's living alone in the house that her mom left to her, a tornado comes in the area and only wipes away her house. True story. She's got nothing left. All of her stuff is gone. Then, to make matters worse, she finds out that The man that she thought was her father all along was not really her biological father. She didn't even know who her father was. And here she is now struggling, wrestling, 
going through and asking God why. God, what does this mean? And the only thing I can say to her is, friend, in a perfect world, you would not be going through this. But I want to tell you that there is one who has suffered as well. And he can empathize with what you are going through. There is not an element of your suffering that he cannot empathize with. And I want you to hear me this morning say to you that every believer will suffer. It is not if it happens, but rather it's when it happens. Whether the relationship will go in the dumps, the, maybe the marriage falls apart, or maybe the bank account is much lower than what you anticipated it would be, or you didn't get the job that you thought you would get. The doctor's report comes in. I want to tell you this morning that what David's story shows us is that you and I will experience suffering. But we will not suffer alone. We have one who has suffered and can empathize with us. He has done the ultimate amount of suffering. And David not only points to his life, but also think inadvertently by God's divine sovereign plan, he points to a greater David who has suffered on our behalf. Are you hearing me this morning? David shows us that in the life of every believer, suffering will come. He shows us and reminds us that if you want to step into his shoes, every believer will experience suffering. Secondly, one of the things we'll see is that Christ is all in our rejoicing. This is all over this psalm. Verse 22. Let's just journey through this. I want to point it out in several places. Verse 22, he says this, I will tell of your name to my brothers in the midst of the congregation. Here's what he says, I will praise you. Verse 23, you who fear the Lord, the covenant God, praise him and stand in awe of him, all you offspring of Israel. Verse 25 says this, from you comes my praise In the great congregation, my vows I will perform before those who fear Him. Verse 26, the afflicted shall eat and be satisfied. Those who seek Him shall praise the Lord. Those who seek Him shall praise the Lord. Verse 27, all the ends of the earth shall remember and turn to the Lord. And all the families of the nations shall worship before you. I hope you see this all over the psalm. Here you have a man who is suffering and a man who is experiencing much pain. So much so he says to God, God, where are you? Why are you not listening to me? He still finds the, the desire, he finds the faith and the hope to worship and to praise our God. How in the world With all that we see David is going through here, how in the world could a person like this find the hope to say, God, I will still praise you? David has his faith in the Lord. David trusts in the Lord. That's the only way that we can see David would point to, God, I will still worship you. I will still praise you. 
I want to tell you that the genuine mark of the believer in Jesus Christ is one even in the midst of suffering who finds their tethering to the Lord, who connects themselves to the Lord and still worships and praises Him. Even in the midst of that suffering. That's the genuine mark of the believer. My faith is tethered to Him so much so that it doesn't matter how much chaos breaks loose in my life, I will still praise and I will still worship the one true and the living God. And I want to tell you this morning that that is not easy. When you find out that you lost the child or you find out that the marriage is broken to pieces or the death in the family happens and you still have to worship. And I think what we see in David's story is that he is a real person. Over and over again, David goes between God, I will worship you and God, where are you? Have you ever been there before? He's struggling, he's wrestling, he's having these hardships, and he moves over and over in between. God, are you there? And God, I will still worship you. That's the mark of the genuine follower of Jesus Christ. Struggle. The mark of the genuine follower of Jesus Christ is that you and I would be people who wrestle In the midst of pain, in the midst of hardship. We don't just throw in the towel. That's not what David is doing here. We see David struggling. He's wrestling. He doesn't give in. But he says, God, even though I'm having a hard time, I will still worship you because you are the covenant God. I'm still going to praise you in the great congregation. I'm still going to offer my worship and all of my praise to you. But I love this. David clings to the character of God. David says in verse 3, he says, you are holy. In verse 3 and verse 4, David says, you are a deliverer. In verse 5, he says, you are a rescuer and you will not be put to shame. See, David is in a bad place, but yet he rests upon the character of God. He reminds himself of who God is. And I want to tell you this morning that when you are facing tough times, remind yourself of who God is. That God is a deliverer. That God is a rescuer. That God makes ways out of no ways. Remind yourself of His character. That's what David does here. He finds himself in a tight spot and he worships. He praises God. Psalm 22 shows us that He is not only worthy of our worship when we have the perfect job... That He is not only worthy of our worship when everything is going our way. That He is not only worthy of our worship when the relationships are perfect. But it shows us that He is still worthy of our worship when all hell has broken loose in our lives. 
that He is still worthy of our worship. And I wish I could stand here and tell you this morning that when you come to know the Lord, when you put your faith and your hope in Jesus, your life will be perfect moving forward. It's the best decision you will ever make in your life. And I wish I can tell you that you'll never have relationship problems. And I wish I can tell you that you'll always have more money than you need when you come to a saving faith in Jesus. But David's story does not show us that. His story shows us that every believer will struggle. Every believer will face hardships. But what it also shows us is... Who do you depend on in those hardships and those struggles? Where does your hope lie? Who are you tethered to? What do you put your hope in? David's story shows us that he would put his hope in the Lord. Every so often I get a chance to... um, Man, go to the Memphis Union Mission uh, right here downtown. And to open the word with a group of men... And inevitably, it always blows me away. Uh, To go in there and to sit down amongst men who represent families, who are marked by the image of God, um, and to hear worship. To sit down and to see men who um, have been worn down by life lift up their hands and sing out with their voices in praise and worship to God, it blows my mind. Guys who are visibly addicted to things or guys who have visible um, mental illnesses still worshiping and praising God. But yet there are so many of us who have way more than what we can even begin to do with or dream to do with, and we won't even come into the house of God and lift up our hands and sing out praises to Him. It blows my mind that somebody with so little can worship God. And here I am, I have more than what I need, and sometimes it's a task for me to worship God. Sometimes it's work for me to praise God. I'm speaking about myself. Sometimes I don't feel like coming to church. Sometimes I would much rather stand in the corner and not talk to anybody. But yet, Richard and Lucy and Derek are in an undeveloped country and they are experiencing worship they are experiencing praise in the church and what David shows us is this ought to be our lives that we would be people of praise that we would be people of worship See, Christ is all in suffering, Christ is all in our rejoicing, and lastly, Christ is all in His provision of grace. Several places in our text we see this. Um, Verse 6 shows it to us. David says, But I am a worm and not a man, scorned by mankind and despised 
by the people. Verse 7, he says, All who see me mock me, they make mouths at me, they wag their heads. Verse 12, Many bulls encompass me, strong bulls of Bashan surround me. They open wide their mouths at me like a ravening and roaring lion. Verse 16, For dogs encompass me, a company of evildoers encircles me. They have pierced my hands and feet. Are you seeing this? Verse 17 through 18, I can count all of my bones, which means my bones are exposed. They stare and gloat over me. They divide my garments among them. Are you seeing this? This is one of the most, in the Old Testament, vivid pictures of the crucifixion. And I want to tell you this morning that the crucifixion is one of the most vivid pictures of grace. What David is prophetically showing us, he is showing us in 3D the crucifixion. My bones are on display. They divide my clothes. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He is giving us a picture of the death of Christ. And I want to tell you that you and I, because of our sin, we needed someone, a perfect lamb, to die on our behalf. That's grace. That's mercy. David is showing us a beautiful picture of the grace of God. Because what Christ does for us, you and I could never begin to do for ourselves. Our sin is ever before us. David says in Psalm 51, In sin did my mother conceive me. I was brought forth in iniquity, which means every part of me has been tainted by sin. You and I needed someone, a perfect lamb, to die on our behalf. And what David is pointing to is that one would come... And we would no longer have to sacrifice goats and bulls. But one would be sacrificed for us. That he would take nails pierced in his hand and a crown of thorn on his head. And he would be mocked and whipped until he could barely be recognized. And he did that because he loved us. That's grace. Grace says, you and I deserve the penalty that Jesus is showing us here in Psalm 22. Grace says, we went into the courtroom with murder charges and we walked out scot-free. David is showing us this beautiful picture of grace. It's interesting to me, um, I read this article not long ago. Uh, it actually happened earlier this year in January of 2014 of this year. And so um, I read this article about this Pittsburgh K-9 police officer. This K-9 police officer in the line of duty was stabbed and this dog passed away. What's interesting is after the fact, um, they cremated the dog, but then they had a funeral for this dog. 
some 1,200 people showed up to the funeral for this canine. It blew me away. I'm thinking to myself, what is going on here? But, and I know some of you are dog lovers. I, I, I like dogs too. I'm not bashing dogs. I do bash cats, but that's another story. Um, but here you have 1,200 people showing up for the death of this dog. And then I continued to, to read the story. And it talked about the incident, and it talked about how in the line of duty, this dog jumped in to protect three police officers. This dog took stab wounds and died because he was protecting the police officers. So when it talked about these officers processing in with their families and weeping and tears in their eyes and sitting there at the gravesite, I thought about why. Because somebody died on their behalf. It wasn't necessarily just for this dog, but yes, dogs are man's best friend, but somebody died for them. And tears ran down their face because they were grateful that somebody stood in their place and took the wounds that they could have gotten. And what David is pointing us to this morning is that very thing. David is pointing us to the reality that somebody has died for us. That somebody took the weight of our sin upon himself and his name is Jesus. He died for us. He died for us. And I want to tell you this morning, church, that is grace. Grace says that you and I should have been on the cross. We should have been taking the nails. We should have took the crown of thorns. And we should have took the whip. That was our job. But in response to the work of Christ... We ought to say that Christ is all because of His grace. Christ is all and I will worship Him. Christ is all. Let's pray together. Father, thank You for the work of Jesus. Thank You for the pictures that You have given us of what Jesus did for us. And Father, even in the midst of struggle, pain, suffering, Lord, I pray this week that we would be reminded of the good work that you accomplished through Jesus Christ. Lord, help us as we are facing difficult circumstances to find it through you to worship and to praise you for who you are. Father, I pray that we would trust you that much. That our faith would be in you that much. That our hope would be in you that much. That even when all chaos breaks loose in our lives, that we would worship you and that we would praise you. And that we would recognize the messy, the grotesque, but yet the beautiful grace in the work of Jesus Christ. Help us to find hope in that. 
Father, I pray that you would as well bless these tithes and these offerings that we're about to receive. Lord, I pray that you would use them, that your fame may grow in Memphis, Tennessee, that your fame may grow in West Memphis and Marion, Arkansas, that your fame may grow in Midtown, in Binghampton, in apartments and condos downtown, Father. I pray you would use them to raise up leaders, to see churches planted. Father, I pray that you would send us out as well. That we would feel compelled by the good news of the gospel to go to work for you. In our neighborhoods, on our jobs, in our own families. Help us to that end, God. In Jesus' name, amen.